To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. Almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself. slash donate any amount is appreciated the weeble app <laughs> the weeble app is available in the affiliate link in the description down below using the weeble app is simple sign up using the affiliate link start your cash management get uh some put some money in the account just a little bit doesn't have to be a ton doesn't have to be your whole life savings doesn't need to be your whole paycheck either doesn't need to be half of your paycheck but by Basically, using the affiliate link in the description down below, you'll get free stocks that you can either continue to invest in, sell, do whatever you want with, and then I'll get free stocks by you signing up. But you'll have your free stocks. You'll have your cash management so you can start earning interest on the money that is just sitting there doing nothing that is federally backed. Then, of course, you can start your IRA on there. You can, of course, do options trading. You can do regular investing, long-term swing trading. It's really up to you what you decide to do. It's a great way. No strings attached. No contracts that you have to sign. Just follow the rules of the stock market. It's all you got to do. Simple as that. And you'll get free, essentially free money by signing up. And then, of course, I'll get free stocks as well. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can hit me up on my website, positivesarcasm.com. Just go to the contact page. I'm also available on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. I'm also available through my website. Uh, and Oh, excuse me. I'm also available directly, positivesarcasm at outlook.com. If you're a competitive fitness uh, person and you need posing music for your next uh, fitness show, just go ahead and hit me up. I've done, uh, I've done cuts for everyone pretty much all over the globe. And I look forward to uh, working with these clients again. So if you have any questions, concerns, or comments on that, feel free to hit me up. Um, before we get into this article about the TSA, uh, just like a social commentary, I be, I hang out with people – like when I hang out with like, like random people's families or like a social gathering of people, maybe I don't necessarily know them or even if I do know them, I'm generally on the peripheral of the conversation. So I hear a lot of what's going on. So uh, a good example is like – Say you you go to uh, if you don't if you never really observed a party or a get together or gathering or whatever. There's a bunch of different conversations or a bunch of chatting going on between several different groups. They could be talking about, you know, for example, one was talking about cars, another one was talking about politics, another person was talking about jobs, another person was talking about healthcare, uh, obviously another one was talking about kids. What was I talking about? None of these things. I was essentially just sitting there quietly, just sort of absorbing the peace and quiet of where I was and not really, you know, intervening in any of those conversations. Uh, not to be, like, you know, antisocial, just, like, I didn't see myself inserting myself in any of these conversations. I generally don't either. Um, and there are reasons for that. Maybe it's some, just my temperament or my behavior, just in general. And also, I don't really, I, I don't drink all that much. Um, so I, I don't find myself just wandering into conversations like, oh, this is my opinion. I've done that once. I did that once after a, a backyard assignment, and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. So not necessarily my fault. It was my fault for assuming that what I was saying was a good idea to those people, letting them know of what I was saying. It's like, no. So I learned my lesson there. I still learn lessons in life, folks. Um, but as far as like 
what was I getting at? Oh, that's right. So people do approach me about what I do um, in general. And I'm very uh, guiding. Well, not guiding. I'm very um, roundabout. And I give them, I give very sh- not sh- well, shallow answers. I, I don't um, dive into things with people unless they – because if you're at like a get-together and people ask you, what do you do? What's your projects? You know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I I don't I assume that they really don't have a huge interest in what what I'm saying, so I kind of just skirt it a little bit. I just you know I do this and this, or I just you know I work here or I work in this field or um, I do these types of projects for people, and I'm just very I'm in a roundabout way, not really diving into something because um, number one I don't know what the person's opinion of me is going to be. Number two, I don't really uh, know them all that well, so I don't know what their thoughts of me being in that industry or working for these people or working, uh, doing these projects. It's like, and I don't know how much they actually know about some of the things that I do, especially on this channel or on my other channels or just in, you know, for the posing music for the fitness competitors or whatever, or doing, or audio video editing, all that stuff. So I just kind of skirt around it. Um, I, and you know, they ask me a question. I give them some type of, you know, non-conversationalist answer, something that they can just be like, "Oh, yeah, I talked to Jay. He seemed, he seemed okay." Um, you know, I don't hate him all that much, but it's like, I don't dive anything into anything really deep. I see, I see some people, and I know some people I'm close with, and they, they'll dive into like, "Oh, what's your next job interview?" Uh, you know, gonna be like, and it's like, "Oh, well, this, this, and this, and this." And it's like, I just, I don't. I always assume that when people ask me questions or conversate with me, it's just light peripheral stuff. And I know that that conversation can be interrupted and stopped at any moment by somebody saying, hey, b- uh, babe, do you want some more chips or, you know, uh, uh, a baby crying or, you know, something else happening. And it's just like I don't want to uh, get too involved in the conversation. So I kind of just – I don't – like I said, I don't invest too much uh, effort into explaining everything that I do. So I come up with ways of just like being very um, polite and but l- polite but light. So PBL, polite but light. So if people ask me, uh, you know, about podcasting, I don't, I don't skirt into, I don't go into it very much. So if people ask me about podcasting, I'd be like, yeah, I, j- I, um, I work my, I, I, I work my ideas out. Um, you know, like I take notes. I basically take notes weekly. I'm basically just taking notes weekly. I go through my stuff and then I use this information to create new ideas or work on future projects. So it's like, it's kind of, it's just a way of me doing verbal note taking and vetting my ideas out. It just so happens to be that people can hear me vetting my ideas out or reading news articles or just whatever. Um, when it comes to other items, uh, such as religion, I don't, I don't really bring it up. When it comes to uh, posing music for fitness competitors, I just be like, yeah, people request me, uh, you know, fitness competitors, they re- they request cuts of certain songs, and I cut that for them, and you know, it's that's it, and, and it it helps me stay sharp with my my editing, my my audio editing, and I just I overall, I I I stay very light. So if I have to leave a conversation quickly, I can. I don't want to feel like I'm abandoning somebody. Um, but at the same time, I'm giving them some type of answer that they can go on. Oh, when it comes to religion, I don't dive into that. When it comes to politics, I stay the fuck away from it. When it comes to COVID, I learned my lesson on that one. I don't go near that conversation. 
um, unless I really hate the person and I want to drive them fucking crazy. Then when it comes to money, money's another one. Money's a big one. So money doesn't make you interesting. Money just makes you a target. Money makes you a target for gold diggers and it makes you a target for people who want your money or want to be around your money. And talking about money at like a get together doesn't work for me. I have money, I use money, I know how to get more money, I get money every week, I get money every month, I know how to get money, okay? I have it, I have plenty of it, I don't worry about it, but I don't like, I talk about it on this platform because people are would be invested in wanting to hear more about it, little t- t- tricks and tidbits on how to get more of it, um, and I will get, I will lay out those options for you, but if you're at like a get-together, I don't talk about stocks. I don't talk about if you're between like a couple people. If you're hanging out with like maybe one or two people, you, and they ask about it, you give them little tidbits about here's you know I do this and this, and that's it. You kind of keep it like you don't monopolize the conversation about your money. It's very tacky, very very tacky. Um, if people want, you can introduce them to like hey, so you know I heard if they say hey I heard you you work in stocks a little bit or I hear you invest a little bit or I hear you do this class action lawsuit stuff or something like that. And it's like, yeah, you know, there's there's a couple things. Yeah, if you wanted to talk more, you know, there's a, there's a time and place for that. And you can kind of introduce them to the fact that, yeah, I, I do dabble in it a little bit and I, I da- do dabbling on this a little bit and a little bit of that. And I do my best to just be like, uh, I acknowledge your question. Um, I do work with this a little bit. I don't want to dive into it too much because it's a maze of stuff and you don't want to give a wrong impression of this is all I do. Uh, it's just one of the things I do to get by. But you could be like, um, if people wanted to know more about it, be like, yeah, you know, we can always chat sometime about it if, if you wanted to. But it's just it's just another thing I work on. I'm, I, I try to stay busy with all kinds of hobbies and new ways of doing this and that and staying creative and you know you want to lead them down a path like i'm not going to dive into it completely with you but at the same time i am acknowledging that you are asking me about this Um, i appreciate you being curious so here's a little bit for you to munch on until that thing happens that makes you bored and you move on to the next thing um this is just my mentality. I just, I'm, 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 I don't talk about work-related stuff. I don't talk about this, this universe at all. Sometimes people ask me about it, and I'm very, I'm very, I'm very cautious about what I give out. And just be like, look, it's just a life project of mine. I work on things here and there. I'm always trying to cre- be creative, stay creative. So I'm constantly working on different things in order to make myself more attractive to folks who need my uh my audio or video editing skills that's all and i just and i i try new things every week so that's i bring it to a very i introduce them i bring them to a very short conclusion and then i kind of just silently uh after a while just disappear from the fray uh and that's kind of it but there's some things i just i don't like talking i don't like talking about i don't i generally don't initiate conversations at all Matter of fact, I don't remember the last time I was at a get-together and initiated any conversation. Normally, I just, if somebody knows who I am and it's like a big, like, hey, I'm like, hey, man, I just give a big hug to let them know I acknowledge them. I appreciate your acknowledgement. 
and I just say, how are you? How is everything? Cool, man. And then I just kind of keep slowly stepping away, moving in the direction that I was originally moving in, um, unless they got something else for me. So that's kind of where I sit on all of this. It's not really something that... Um, it's, it's partially social um, uncomfortability. It's also a thing I don't want to... I don't like disclosing it at get-togethers where it's really not a focal point, nor do I want it to be. And I kind of just... When I get to get, go to get-togethers or parties or whatever, I kind of just want to chill out. I kind of just want to relax, enjoy the environment observe watch everybody else have a good time and just relax with you know if i'm with with chase hang out with chase just that's it i kind of i don't really mingle from spot to spot to spot i'm not looking to make connections i'm not really looking to make really new friends either no disrespect to people but it's like i'm not really looking out there to take over the scenario or to be the life of the party i'm just there to be another you know fly by the pool but that's pretty much it and there, but I have my rules, and you know, obviously, uh, no religion, no politics, uh, you know, no COVID, and money talk. Yeah, I don't, I don't dive into that either. Um, and it's a, and like I said, if it's a small party, um, I generally, I, I steer away from it. If it's a big party, I don't even talk about it. Um, and if there are people aggressively asking, I will back away. You know, people do, especially when people start drinking, you know, if somebody's got 26 Trulies in you, you generally don't want to be talking about money or COVID or anything like that. You kind of just be like, eh, you know, and I do, I do go out of my way to avoid most of that stuff. Um, it's tough. It's, it's tough for me, you know, but I do make myself a presence. People do get annoyed by the fact that I don't, um, sometimes don't, like I'm not really participating at a full blast manner. But I'm generally polite, and uh, it's. I'm always. I'm. I'm. I always. I once said to an old boss of mine that I was born to not. Some people are meant to capture life. Some people are meant to live life. Others are meant to capture it. I always felt like I was meant to capture it and observe it, and observe how people live their lives and how they have conversations, and not necessarily take part in it, but just sort of to watch it with joy or curiosity and see if i could use that to be more creative and maybe and i and, and it's you know comedians do that uh videographers and cinematographers do that writers do that and i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say i'm a comedian i'm not gonna say i'm a cinematographer i'm not gonna say i'm a writer you know i just like being creative in those avenues somewhat so I try to do some of those things that they're doing in order to get a better understanding of why people talk or interact the way they do. So it's just it was just on my mind. So I figured I would disclose it because I'm seen at places sometimes, and I'm generally not. I'm generally just just hanging back, hanging back. I'm right there in, in, near the middle of everything, but I'm not aggressively participating. Because it's just not my demeanor. It's it it, it just it just isn't. It's not my demeanor to be like uh, you know the guy who you know controls the music or plays beer pong or uh, aggressively talks about certain topics. I just I don't want that anxiety. It's not my thing. So uh, it's just a little social commentary that I wanted to bring up. I did want to mention before we got to this week's Q and A about 
Um, something that was introduced uh, or is being introduced uh, is courtesy of the National Review about what the TSA has been up to. I know that Alex Jones was talking about, oh, they're bringing back masks and mandates and all this other stuff uh, in September. We have yet to d- see if that's actually true or if they actually wrote that. And then if he disclosed, because he freaking let the cat out of the bag, they're backpedaling on all of it. I don't know. I've, I have no idea what's going on with that. It's been lightly picked up. I have no fucking clue. I don't care about variants. I don't care about any of that shit. Um, but I, I know he talked about it, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that is kind of a, it's there's some hypocrisy here i find it i i'll i'll get to it in a second but so some there's some questions about the tsa's new facial recognition program and don't kid yourself this actually does exist but i want to compare it with something else that's taking place so um they were established obviously in the wake of uh, september 11th as part of a bipartisan aviation and transportation security act its purpose is to prevent similar attacks in the future. So the TSA has faced many criticisms since then. Some have described the rigorous screening process uh, each passenger goes through before boarding, boarding as a flight security theater. Now, this was posted uh, on the 25th. So, okay, this is a recent article. Uh, they call it security theater. Some might, uh, something that might make passengers feel safe but isn't actually effective at preventing threats. These criticisms are not unfounded. The TSA has failed multiple undercover Department of Homeland Security tests in the past 10 years designed to test the agency's efficacy in preventing contraband from making it past security. One 2017 investigation found that the failure rate of the undercover tests in the ballpark of 80%. While this was an improvement from a failure rate of 95% in 2015, the results were still abysmal. It wasn't the TSA, but rather the FBI and MI5 that stopped the two biggest traveler-related terrorism events in the past 20 years. So let's put this in perspective really quick. So they preventing contraband past security. So in the ballpark of undercut of a failure rate of around 80%. So for a 20% success rate, the TSA's budget. So a 20% success rate by the federal government uh, gets you a seven point at the cost of 7.68 billion dollars and over 47,000 security personnel. Okay, so for over seven billion dollars, and this was in 2020, so it's probably gone up to eight. So for about eight billion dollars, you get a 20% success rate. Beautiful. Moving on, TSA has begun implementing a new facial recognition program in more than a dozen airports in the U.S. and Puerto Rico, including Denver, Baltimore, D.C., uh, Atlanta, Atlanta being the, one of the busiest airports, Fairfield International, uh, Boston, Dallas, and Detroit. You may have already experienced it. Here's how it works. Passengers approach TSA agents and are asked to scan their passports and stand in front of a camera. This says passports. I don't know if it also... Uh, is for domestic flights as well. The camera checks the passport and their identity. The passengers can then move forward. Small signs indicate that one can opt out of the program, but few people know that. I'll read this again. Small signs indicate that one can opt out of the program, but few people know that. In my experience, no instructions on how to opt out are posted. I was able to opt out multiple times in Denver and Reagan Airport by telling security agents I wanted the camera off. I received a few odd looks and extra scrutiny of my ID by the one agent, but other than that, it was fairly easy. 
According to the TSA, the program is meant to provide, quote, improved security and speed identity verification while making the passenger experience faster and more seamless. The TSA has rolled out this program quietly, but it has not gone entirely unnoticed. One organization, the AJL, Algorithmic Justice League, which advocates equitable and accountable AI, is seeking submissions on travelers' experience with the new program. Among the AGL's concerns are racial gender bias and technology, data security, and lack of transparency surrounding the opt-out process. Some passengers have had issues opting out of the airport, opting out at the airport. Eventually, the biometrics program will not be optional at all. Questions arise. Is this program really faster than the system already in place? Is there really evidence that facial recognition software is an improvement? If not, how might failures in the recognition software be mitigated over time? Will this program help anti-terrorism efforts? As part, as of now, these questions have unsatisfying answers. Moreover, many are concerned about the privacy rights implications and the downplaying of the program's current out opt-out nature. TSA Administrator Dave Bukowski's promise of saving a couple seconds is if not a minute in the airport is a little comfort in the face of a program reminiscent of certain familiar surveillance states. Those of us with valid concerns about the government's use of powerful technology can be used to surveil and infringe upon our privacy deserving de- privacy deserve a hearing. Also, on top of this, in order for you to actually fly at all, you have to get you have to buy a real ID. So you get your driver's license, but you actually have to have a real ID in order to actually get on a plane in the United States at all so what the fuck is the point of getting a real id when they're gonna scan your fucking face anyways to me it just it sounds like more surveillance state uh control bullshit at a at this point 20 percent success rate or in the ballpark of according to uh the fbi now this is to vet out any potential terrorism uh, more secure borders in the air and stuff like that. But at the same time, at the same time, if we're trying to prevent terrorism in the air and people not, you know, country traveling from place to place that we don't want to travel from place to place, why the fuck when you go to the WOLA.org site and you see from August of 2022 the amount of people that are coming into this country undocumented, illegally, and on top of that, have you seen the list of – this is just from 2022. This list has expanded the types of countries that are getting in. Now, we all know that you know Central and South America are a lot of the countries that um, were – you know, they're, you know, like I said, they're South, Central and South American countries. Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Cuba, Ecuador, Brazil. Uh, Haiti, Venezuela, Nicaragua, per, you know, Peru, Colombia. But then there's thousands, or excuse me, hundreds, um, coming from countries that, not even close, not even fucking close, not 90 miles off the shore, not 90 miles off the coast of Florida, not connected by the border, not connected by the border of the border, not connected to South America, but all the way across the globe. And I will I'll scroll down. So there's four. There's a few in question here. China, 1,768 migrant encounters at the U.S.-Mexico border. India, 1,120. Russia, 467. Romania, what the freak? 
Is my is my ex fiance fucking trying to get across the border? She was here easily the other t- uh you know back in 2000 uh what was it 2003 It Wasn't very hard for her to get across. She just got a sponsorship to work at fucking Taco Bell and here she was. Romania 276, Turkey 109, Ukraine 93. So and that number I believe. Yeah, those numbers are increasing, and the amount of countries that it, it, that are not connected by these borders uh, is also increasing. So if you go down, obviously, and this doesn't also doesn't take into account the hundreds of thousands from all these other connecting countries that are getting through. So if you scroll down, it's like there tells you it tells you all about like why how they're getting here from all these countries that aren't even connected. So Russia encounters with migrants from Putin's Russia exceeded 200 in April 2021, uh, appear to be a new record. More than 70% of Russian 75% of Russian immigrants are encountered in and around San Diego, California, uh, where most come from the San Ydro port of entry. At times, they seek to drive over the borderline in rented cars. India. Um, India citizens that are counted by Border Patrol agents in Arizona and Southeast California. Many are fleeing persecution from India's nationalist government. Uh, there's another one here. Turkey. Migrants from Erdogan's Turkey multiplied 11-fold between 2021 and 2022. Nearly all Turkish migrants are encountered by the Border Patrol in and near El Paso, Texas. Where are you from? You know, where, where are you from, El pa- you know, Nicaragua? Nope, I'm from Turkey. Oh, Interesting. Um, China. Migrants, uh, migration from People's Republic of China multiplied fivefold between 2021 and fiscal 2022. The majority of Chinese migrants are encountered by Border Patrol or C- uh, California Border Patrol in and around San Diego, California. Romania. Um, their numbers, the U.S.-Mexico border increased 47% to the fiscal year 2022. Border Patrol is encountering the vast majority in and around San Diego, California, and Yuma, Arizona. 78% of these Romanian migrants encountered in 2022 were members of the family units. Whatever that means. But this is fucking crazy. Like, random-ass, like, Eastern European countries, Russia, China, Turkey, India, coming all the way over to Mexico and then crossing the border. So all of this stuff, so look at this, Peru, uh, ex- 1,400%. So how many in Peru? Uh, expelled under Title 42 in 2022, 2%. How crazy is that? So you're trying to secure the border up, the, up, up in the air by using facial recognition and requiring real IDs, and yet you're not doing anything at the border? Please tell me where the hypocrisy is on that. And you have it for seven for over almost eight billion dollars. You got a twenty percent success rate, and at the border right now you have a zero percent success rate because you're not even trying. So why the fuck are we doing this? If in my opinion, in my my opinion, the TSA gone, and a lot of that money would be used to secure borders. Because if you're if the TSA's budget is not producing results put it somewhere where it will produce results obviously fucking idiots anyways let's move on to some dig q a 
Uh, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can email me at my, email me at my website, positivesarcasm.com. Like, subscribe, share, donate, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amounts appreciated. Look at that fucking budget. $7.68 billion employing over 47,000 security personnel. 47,000. And then add on top of that the 80,000 that the IRS is hiring. Part of the TSA budget comes in at $5.60 per passenger fee, also known as the September 11th security fee, for each one-way fare originating in the United States, not to exceed $11.20 per round trip. Uh, additionally, a small portion of TSA's budget comes from the loose change in cash left behind by travelers at air support security checkpoints, which TSA has been allowed to retain since 2005 under Section 44945 of Title 49 of the United States Code. <sighs> What the fuck? In conjunction with the FI 20 tour pre- uh, fiscal year 2024 president's budget, admin offers two proposals to increase availability of funding to resource TSA strategic priorities. The budget request includes $10.4 billion request for the TSA, which includes $70 million for technology, which is $35 million less than the amount provided in fiscal year 2023 at the current rate of the budget. TSA will not be able to fully deploy these systems across the United States until 2042. Jesus fucking Christ, $10 billion. Shoot me in the fucking head. Anyways, moving on to some Q&A. Maybe I can at least solve some of these problems. Is it... My fiancé moved in last year. We're in our 50s and marrying soon. He believes he shouldn't have to contribute to the household expenses like rent, utilities, household items, and groceries. Really, I hope he has a good reason for that. Because it sounds like bullshit so far. So I will save there. Oh. Uh, I have a fixed income equal to his salary, and I will join his medical plan, so I will save there. Oh, yay! He says when he retires in 10 years, we'll rely on his retirement to pay all the expenses. 10 years, huh? And that will use my equally sizable savings in our 80s. He has no other savings and uses his current income to pay off small debts from before we came to get before we came together and repairs on his rental property. He also has his parents' loans that he'll start paying soon. He owns a rental property that pays the mortgage. A financial advisor provided us a decent outlook after retirement. We're not millionaires by any stretch. I'm frustrated to be paying for everything. He says the math says it all. I'm just concerned he's not seeing for the he's not seeing the what ifs between now and 10 years. And what it feels like to uh, me com- from a commitment and financial standpoint. Okay, so you're you. He moved in last year, and now you have concerns. Uh, oh look, I'm not gonna. Look, this guy obviously 10 years of not paying any rent. That's pretty fucking lazy in my opinion. Not paying any rent, not paying for any of the groceries, not paying for any of the utilities or any of the household items. That is absolutely asinine. I don't know how you decided that this guy was the perfect catch, or maybe you were just really really desperate. Um, but he moved in last year and you guys didn't have a conversation about hey you gonna pay any of the rent and he's like no and you're like you're the perfect one for me move on in whatever you fucking made your bed and he's sleeping in it for free so that's on you girl he's not great either though moving on i accidentally told my partner that the sex with them has never been as good as the sex with during my ex during an argument since then my partner and i haven't had sex um, we tried, but they say they can't enjoy it because they feel that during sex with them, I might be thinking about how I wish I was having sex with my ex. Is there a way to fix this? I love them and I regretted it the second I said it. Okay. And I don't want our relationship to end. It's true what I said, but I, it's true what I said. Oh boy. Keep digging that hole. Need a shovel? But I would never want to, I never would have told them if I had not been angry. Um, 
you need to seriously if you want this to work you need to overwork because you said something that is now stuck in their head that's that is essentially what you said is a crack in the foundation that puts a crack in the foundation of the relationship and you need to overwork overwork to the point where you think why am i trying so hard you need to overwork to prove to them to to mend, mend this to put this behind you otherwise this is going to continue and every day going forward that you folks are not intimate and spending serious time with each other and you're not trying your ass off and now you have to over overperform in bed as well you're going to have to because who knows if you weren't doing anything with your ex and they were doing all the work and since you're expecting to do no none of the work and this other person's maybe not experienced as experienced or who knows what but quite frankly it is on you now to start hitting home runs because this is a hundred percent on you to fix i completely understand they're being upset about this because it's now something that's like parked in their brain especially if it's a chick and nothing against them at all it's like this is parked in their head and they're thinking about it as well and it makes them very self-conscious it wasn't a good, it wasn't good of you to say that at all and it is 100 percent on you to fix it let's move on to the next one um, my husband's ex just had a baby, making me one of the few stepmothers who gets who get to start from scratch. Because of this rare opportunity, I would like to hope we have a chance at a relationship most stepchildren don't have with their stepparents. I would like the baby to call me mom instead of Kelly. No. And to view me as a third parent. No. Not an interloper. However, the current custody arrangement is tilted severely in the ex's favor because she is breastfeeding. Well, it's kind of a good thing to do when you have a baby. Probably get them some uh, proteins. I think I will lose this special opportunity if we don't get to spend any time with the baby till she's a toddler. Should I urge my husband to petition for split custody? No. You fucking stay the fuck out of it. This isn't your game. Okay? You, whatever is best for the child, period. It is not your place to be diving into this shit. It's not your place to be dealing with any of this. You just make sure that you support the, the, the husband... And if you're going to be around the child, it's not they're not going to be calling you mom. And you know what? That's okay. If they, as long as they're, you know, is a good working relationship with this kid, um, that's all you can really ask for. Okay? You didn't make this kid. Okay? You didn't make this kid, so you don't have any rights or privileges to this. You're just going to do the best you can and be as supportive as possible. And that's it. You don't get, you don't get to demand anything out of this. Especially be like, I want to be called mom too. That's not how this works. You're not the mom. You're the stepmom. Okay, you're just Kelly. That's all you get to be. If the child later down the road decides to start calling you mom, then it's because you've worked hard to maybe earn it, or they see you like that. But you don't get to demand that. You don't. Let's move on to the next one. I have a vendor at work that I work very closely with. We speak in email several times a day. Occasionally, if I don't get back to him right away, he will simply just forward his email to me again and again until I do respond. I have never left him without a response by the end of the business day. But there are times when I can't respond within hours, an hour, or even the next few hours. Do I just have to deal with this as one of his quirks? No. You got to ask him to chill. So it is perfectly okay for a vendor or a 
a you know a company that you're working with to follow up with you but in the way is if they send you an email you don't respond within a specific period of time you reply back to the email with these people on it and you say hey just following up on this have you had a chance to review this this information it's not just because forwarding it over it's like hey you're not paying attention to me you need to pay attention to me it's you got to show it to them and be like hey did you have a chance to review the information below please let me know if you have any questions that's the polite way to do it not just forwarding the email back so that's what i would suggest and you have every right to state that let's move on my friend tyler and i decided to try a yoga class as we were doing the first position he passed gas very audibly Ooh, rough watch what you eat it was super awkward but then he said excuse me sounds like i started things with a bang people chuckled and the class went on Whew, got out of that one i thought tyler's recovery from an ultra embarrassing moment was great so i mentioned it in an email to a mutual friend of ours but i stupidly and accidentally sent it to the wrong person a near stranger i'd, I'd exchange a couple emails with a couple years ago the person who received the email posted a screenshot of it on social media with the message i got an email about a dude who farted he was he her posting was reposted many times by her impressive number of followers. The email had Tyler's actual first and last name and some details about where we live. I was horrified and insisted that she deleted her posting, and she did. But of course, it's still out there floating around on the internet. Should I tell Tyler what happened or hope he never hears about it? Oh, look, you fucking lit the match on this. <laughs> you lit the match, all right, and started a small fire. Um... The other people did their part. You need to do your part. You you shouldn't have sent that email. Shouldn't have sent that email. Why the fuck would you do that? So you stupidly and accidentally sent to the wrong person. Okay. You mentioned it to an, in an email to a mutual friend. Okay. You're at fault for mentioning it in an email. You are the person who, is, uh, who, who posted a screenshot of the email is at fault. And you know what's funny is that mutual friend of yours, they never got an email. So they have no part of this. They didn't do anything wrong. But you did 100% completely fucked up. And you have, you you do need to own it. Okay? It seems like your friend can take a joke pretty well. But I'll be honest, I don't know how they're going to react to this one. Let's move on to the next one. My husband has a charcoal grill, a gas grill, and a Traeger. So we do a lot of outdoor cooking all year round. One of the best things about living in Southern California. Nice. My husband is always finding new preps and recipes for the meals he cooks, okay? Especially on the Traeger. Um, to save money by buying bigger cuts of meat and cutting them down and freezing them, last year we bought a three and a half cubic foot deep freezer. Three and a half cubic feet deep. So three and a half, that's pretty good. It is now completely packed and instead of working through what we have, my husband told me he started pricing 25 to 30 cubic feet freezer models. We can barely fit the small one we have in the kitchen, and now he says not to worry because we could put the big one in the spare bedroom since nobody uses it that way. We would have to have two deep freezers and save a lot of money on meat. I shut him down first because it's an expense we do not have to make because we could just go through what we already have, and second, because those big freezers just gross me out, I think about those TV shows and movies for the crime stories. Someone cuts a murder victim up and stuffs them in a freezer. Not to mention we could use the, the space in our spare room which does not get used when his family come to visit. My husband said that even with having the cuts of meat, we have smaller freezer. We should get a bigger, better variety of meat if we had a bigger freezer. I see a serious flaw in my husband's thinking here. Um, 
So there is a compromise to be had here. So you have a three and a half inch cubic uh, foot deep freezer. I'm assuming this is one that you open up from the top. Um, you can get the stand up freezer. So here's the thing. If you get rid of the smaller freezer, you'll have room for the bigger freezer. So you have a three and a half inch, three and a half foot deep freezer. So obviously this is one that you walk up to and it's about pelvic, it's about pelvic high and then you open that up and you can reach down. Well, you can get rid of that and get one of the stand-up ones, which is even bigger. You get one of the stand-up, you get one of the ones that's about as tall as the fridge right next to it. So you have that same space. You have, you can fit more cuts in there, but you don't have, you don't have two freezers. So you get rid of one and you get, and you get a bigger one. You don't have to put anything in the spare bedroom. I think that would probably be your best bet. So. Obviously, buying a bunch of meat to save money makes perfect sense, but buying two freezers means that you're going to be spending more on electricity um, in order to hold on to those cuts of meat. So that cuts into the actual cost savings. But if you buy a, if you have a larger freezer, okay, to replace the three and a half inch deep freezer, you only have one freezer that you're keeping cold. You have all that cuts of meat, and then this cost saving starts to balance out a little more in your husband's favor. And you don't have to worry about using any of that space in the spare bedroom, which makes no fucking sense whatsoever to put something like that. That's a spare bedroom. It should be used for spare bedroom purposes only. Um, so I understand what you're saying, but I get, like, he's a big charcoal grill, gas grill, Traeger. He lo loves to cook, and um, I get what he's saying. But absolutely work through that stuff absolutely work that stuff you bought that food you should absolutely eat it and i think that you should work through the, the meat that you have uh, and but buy a bigger freezer to be able to afford to have all that cool i mean that's pretty sweet it's definitely cool to have a deep freezer for sure or a stand-up freezer that's an awesome idea that's something i'm absolutely going to do for sure i think it's freaking great as long as it's uh you know uh what do you call it you know efficient because i know that once you start getting appliances like that shit can get pretty ridiculous uh we're at 41 minutes i'm gonna go ahead and close up shop i had i did record last night but unfortunately i had a minor technical failure or well no i had a technical failure so i'm uh basically uh getting this together tonight um so apologies for the late delivery but uh you know shit happens and uh i do my best to mitigate it so um in the meantime you can find me on instagram at positive underscore sarcasm the video version of this podcast is available on rumble at positive sarcasm uh audio version it's available at my, my website positive sarcasm downloadable and streamable uh it's also available on substack and anywhere podcasts are available iHeartRadio, radio tune in uh um, podcast addict iHeartRadio, spotify apple podcast you know to find it stitcher's gone but oh well um in the meantime you guys know how to find me, you know how to subscribe to me, you know how to support me, and you know how to email me. So in the meantime, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing, and I'll talk to you all next week. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a Positive Sarcasm Presentation. Mm -hmm.